Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and let us affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to once again be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil in sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all of the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy nation. And so stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your holy countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Allow us to find your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Субтитры 
сердце лишь тебе принадлежит. Хвала тебе за ты, суше моей.
благодарить того, кто все нам дал. Не забывай благодарить того, кто мир послал. Иисуса для нашего спасения, чтоб каждый смог получить прощение. Иисуса для нашего спасения, чтоб каждый смог получить прощение. Не забывай Бога благодарить, сердце свое. Oh, 
And as always, before we continue to study the depths of our inheritance in Jesus Christ, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God is Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so for us, as partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and the truth of Scripture in what is necessary to be done from our side so we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life and put on the new form of life. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And as we know to fulfill this command, we need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs. And these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting actions to put off, be renewed, and put on will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or vessel of wrath. Or more specifically, will the accomplishing of our salvation come to pass that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever and in result our names be forever then be blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time? 
In a specific format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the following question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus, in righteousness and holy truth? And when we speak of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that contains the power of the resurrection of Christ in the all-armor of light, we've concluded that we need God's help in the form of His redeeming mercy. The means of receiving any kind of help in the form of the inheritance of the mercies of God is weaponry of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth. Since prayer isn't just a man's means of communicating with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law of God, man gives heaven this right so that heaven may intervene upon the territory of earth, considering that the most powerful form of prayer is continual prayer that does not back away from its goal until what is asked for is received, we together have been studying the format of continual prayer in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, being a continual remembrance or memorial before God. The power of such a prayer is called to demonstrate the unlimited authority of God over our genesis and the allotted by him for us time and boundaries. Due to this, we came to the necessity to study the goal God pursues in his intentions when he urges and calls his children to become warriors and prayer, and also in what way and upon what conditions God is able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer, so that man is able to present the interests of God and implement his inheritance in God, because our inheritance is the interest of God, it's his goal, and until he uh, accomplishes that goal, he will not be at rest. I want us to be confident that he can reach this goal because any goal that is placed by God is possible for him and he will accomplish it. According to the revelation of Scripture, our prayer as warriors in prayer is identified in the virtue of 12 precious stones of the breastplate of, of judgment, and it needs to be continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with faith of your heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit. In the previous services, we in a specific format have already looked at the essence of the first eight components that identified the state of the heart of a warrior in prayer, as well as the quality of his prayer. And stop to study the ninth component, quality of continual prayer. This is the presence of the fear of the Lord in your prayer, or prayer that is made in the fear of the Lord. But first... I would like to once again present the antonyms or opposite qualities of prayer that have already been a part of our studies, because understanding the context or background of each quality, we will better understand the quality and character of true prayer. And so antonym of continual is unfaithful or not continuing. The antonym, <clears throat> this is something that will resist uh, uh, continuation in prayer, Unfa unfaithfulness and in continuation, persistence. So the antonym of persistent is resistant. The antonym of diligent is lazy, natural laziness. The antonym of boldness is audacity. The antonym of reverence is forsaking or hatred. The antonym of the faith of God is unbelief or resisting the faith of God. The antonym of thanksgiving is unthankful or hard-hearted. 
The antonym of joy is sorrow or brokenness. And the antonym of the fear of the Lord is the fear of man. As in the previous qualities of prayer, it is necessary for us to look at four classical questions. First, from what wellspring does the fear of the Lord flow, and what qualities or criteria does the fear of the Lord have? Second, what purpose is the fear of the Lord supposed to fulfill within our relationship with God, with each other, and with all of the world? Third, what price or what conditions do we need to fulfill so we can be filled with the fear of the Lord in prayer? Or how do we keep or increase the fear of the Lord within our heart? And fourth, by what results do we need to examine ourselves on the presence of the fear of the Lord within our heart? In the previous services, we in a specific format together have studied the essence of the first question and stopped to study the second question. We've noted that the fear of the Lord and the fear of man are two absolutely different programs that come from two diametrically opposite wellsprings, identifying the program of eternal life that comes from God, containing the quality of the nature of God, and the program of eternal death that comes from the entrails of the fallen cherubim, containing his quality and his nature. We know that the first Adam, due to his disobedience to God, was transformed into the programmable system of the fallen angel and inherited from him a program opposite of God's fear, which was passed down to all mankind and came to be called the fear of man. The character included in the fear of the Lord, as with the previous qualities, is prescribed in Scripture for creating prayer as a commandment, as a requirement, a direct order that is to be fulfilled. If not fulfilled, the verdict is death or a final break of your peaceful relationship with God. The fear of the Lord as a program identifying the life of God is identified as the spring of the wisdom of God and as a carrier and demonstrator of this wisdom. And as a program, it is able to exist and demonstrate itself in nothing else but a programmable system, which is the wise heart of a man, a heart of a born-from-God person that becomes a possessor of a faithful mind, abiding in the commandment of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding of all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalm 110, 10. It's talking about the fact that all of the commandments of the Lord is the wisdom of God or the fear of the Lord. We've noted that the reason for many misconceptions and wrongs is what our mind is dependent upon or from. If we, a faithful mind is in, in those who have the fear of the Lord in their heart. If we place our mind in dependence from man, we will be pleasing because of our weakness, their ignorance, and their religious ambitions. This talks about the fact that we don't have the fear of the Lord when we are dependent from other men. If we place our mind in dependence of the traditions of man, then for the sake of those traditions, we will remove or move the commandments of God aside. That is, religious traditions, of course, not just regular traditions. And when religious traditions... Uh, are or become a priority within your life and are above the word of God uh, perversing the truth 
This is evil. If we place our mind in dependence of logical thinking or obtained experience, we also will be far from the fear of the Lord. Although the fear of the Lord as the wisdom of God isn't against logical or rational thinking, because of its eternal being or existence and exalted nature in the fourth dimension, it does not depend on logic and governs over logic. Just as a person in space is not dependent upon gravity. We, when we are in the spirit, we receive the revelations of the Lord. We are not in de- dependent on logical or rational form of thinking. We know well that in the world that we live, there are many forms of existing fear and even more phobias. And practically, today, the entire world is underpinned by fear and phobias. But all of these forms of fear come from one wellspring, the fallen cherubim. These fears were inherited from the first Adam when he sinned and were passed on genetically to all mankind. And further, all of these forms of fear do not parallel or identify with the unique and great nature of fear that comes from God and is passed down by right of birth from God to man and is passed down in the seed of the word of truth. We need to keep in mind that there is a healthy form on earth in present time. There's a healthy form of fear that exists as well. This is the format of healthy thinking that does not yield suffering. Any form of fear that does not come from God yields suffering. At the same time, the fear of the Lord prompts a trembling reverence before God and an unexplainable admiration or delight as it places man in the safest place called God. As it is written, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. That is, the love of God, agape, 1 John 4.18. Therefore, if our worship is done out of the fear of the Lord contained within the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, then it cannot be accepted by God. And that is specifically why any attempt to enter the presence of God, to call upon God or to serve God without the presence of the fear of the Lord deeply wounds, offends God and does not consider God and resists God. The absence of the fear of the Lord within the heart of a man testifies about the fact that this person is bound by the fear of man or human fear. A person that came to God and received salvation, this is not talking about the people of the world. Revelations 21.8, the cowardly, those who came to God, received salvation, but have not been freed from the fear of man, they will be marching as in a parade they will be marching first at the head of the line to hell the cowardly they will end up in hell although they they as if didn't do anything wrong those that will follow them in comparison to those who followed that for who will follow them and so sin it to the one who knows to do the right and is not doing it but the cowardly unbelieving abominable murderers sexually immoral sorcerers idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death revelation 21 8 and so again the cowardly are first 
marching to hell. The word fear, wisdom, and commandment when it comes to the nature of God are identical as they identify the moral virtues of God. And because they are identical, the one word describes the other word as they come one from the other and authenticate one the other. This is specifically why the fear of the Lord is the true wisdom of God presented in the commandments of the Lord. At the same time, true wisdom in the commandments of the Lord is identified as the fear of the Lord, identifying the given law of God. Question 2. What purpose does the fear of the Lord have in our relationship with God, with each other, and with all of the world? Studying the purpose of the fear of the Lord, we need to keep in mind that the boundaries of the fear of the Lord as the program of God are restricted and they are restricted to the boundaries of the heart of, of the one that fears God and the boundaries of their knowledge of the fear of God. In a specific format, we have already studied nine purposes that the fear of the Lord pursues within the heart of those who fear God and stop to study the tenth purpose. I will remind us of the first nine so that we... Uh, so that we can refresh this in our, in our mind. The purpose of the fear of the Lord being the equivalent of the love of God is called to cast out the fear of man which produces suffering. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to give those who fear God a banner so that they display it on behalf of the truth to be delivered from the enemy. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to bring forth the mercy of the Lord upon those who fear God with the purpose of removing their transgressions so far, far as, the, uh, as the East is from the West, to remove their transgressions that far as East is from the West. And the fear of the Lord will be doing this. If the fear of the Lord will not be present, then this will not happen. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called by the means of the mercy of the Lord to separate men who fear God from men who do not fear the Lord by rewarding one and pouring out his vengeance on the other. The purpose of the fear of the Lord in the heart of those who fear God is called to turn God's favor upon them. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to lead those who fear God into the inheritance of the covenant of the Lord, to give them food so God could give them the lands of other nations. Seventh, the purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to make those who fear God a tool of vengeance upon the angry Gentiles, to destroy them for destroying the earth. Eighth, the purpose of the fear of the Lord is called it is to call those who fear the Lord to praise and glorify God uh, so that God not despise or abhor their affl affliction and that God not hide his face from them when they cry out to him. Ninth, the purpose of the fear of the Lord gives us the ability to not find lawlessness when we search our heart which provides God a basis to hear our prayer when we, when we confess our sin, which has taken a hold of us as a stranger. If I would have seen the lawlessness in my heart, God would not have heard me, David says. That doesn't mean a person will not fall into sin. He'll fall into sin. When sin doesn't come from his heart, he'll come from, uh, from the outside as it came to David. Tenth, the purpose of the fear of the Lord within a, person, within a person that fears God is called to provide God grounds to dress his mortal body into God's eternal mercy that is into his new person. Psalm 118, 1-24. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. 
Let the house of Aaron now say, Aaron that came from the house of Israel, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently, yet I might that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song. He has made and become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to the to death. Open to, open to me the gates of righteousness, I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is a day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. We've noted that when the scripture refers to any sort of seed, then it means a program that is contained in a seed. When the scripture referred to fruit, that means the fruit that is grown from that seed. According to the above revelation, we, we conclude... This is contained in the 118th Psalm of David. We conclude that the purpose of the fear of the Lord within the heart of those who fear God is called to grow them from the seed of Israel into the house of Israel and coming from her house of Aaron upon the condition that they put off the old man with his deeds. Therefore, to be the house of Israel and coming from her house of Aaron means to be a member of the new Jerusalem, which, which has 12 pearly gates and the tree of life, growing in the midst of the new Jerusalem, bearing 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month, and leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. According to the elements of the given allegory, the subject is the New Jerusalem that is located on earth in, ex in, the pr in present time. This New Jerusalem is the chosen by God remnant identifying the bride of the Lamb. Since in heaven or in the new heaven and new earth, the need for healing won't exist for nations that will be there because the nations that will be able to enter the heavens live in the aspect of or state of eternal life as the angels of God and are not able to be to be or get sick. Therefore, the purpose of the fear of the Lord, when we read all of these allegories, these proverbs, we think these things are going to happen in heaven, but actually they'll be happening here on the earth. The purpose of the fear of the Lord within the heart of those who fear God is called to heal their bodies and eliminate all curse from their body, to build them into the house of Israel and the house of Aaron. Eliminate curses is the sinful man, the law of sin and death, 
to build them into the house of Israel and house of Aaron. Looking at the definition of the fear of the Lord within the heart of those who fear God, we need to answer two questions. First, what criteria do the scriptures attribute to the house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron within the heart of those who fear God? And second, what goal does God pursue in dressing our body into the house of Israel and coming from her house of Aaron? We know that the house of Israel as the fruit of our spirit consists of the twelve tribes named with the twelve names of the sons of Israel. Therefore, the identification and purpose of the fruit of our spirit in the form of the house of Israel and coming from her house of Aaron, we have been studying our mortal body being clothed into the fruits of the tree of life, that is, into our new person. Considering that in Scripture the number 12, as the 12 names of Israel, is a symbol of management, identifying the order of God's theocracy within the heart of those who fear God in the virtue of their royal calling. We came to the conclusion that the symbol of management in the 12 names of Israel is the name of the Lord upon the foreheads of those who fear God that is called to demonstrate itself in the renewed mind of those who fear God. The mortal bodies of those who fear God, not looking at the existing in these bodies law of sin and death, are beginning to be controlled by the power of their renewed mind placed in dependence of the law of the spirit of life. Not looking at the fact that the law of sin and death is present in the body, in they they have the ability to confront these and obey the law of the spirit of life that is in the renewed mind and control your members for the works of righteousness. To do the works of righteousness, the symbol of the house of Aaron within the heart of those who fear God is their right not only to be kings to God, but also priests to God. Therefore, as a symbol of the house of Aaron within the heart of those who fear God are the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the twelve names of the sons of Israel. Enveloping the house of Aaron into the power of warriors and prayer, which provides God grounds to perform power, which will turn those who fear God into his eternal mercy. By the means of his eternal mercy, God will dress the body of those who fear God into the fruits of the tree of life grown within the heart of the one that fears God, being the house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron. Question 2. What goal does God pursue in dressing our mortal body into the house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron? We conclude that the scriptures call those who fear God by the means of thanksgiving to turn God's fear upon them, which is the equivalent of the mercy of God, <clears throat> to eradicate the enemy that lives in their body and out of their body as well. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. Psalm 118, 1 through 4. The word now is used three times in the given place of Scripture and means today, immediately, at this time, or when you hear this. Therefore, the word now is a symbol of the word faith received by a revelation of the Holy Spirit in our heart, which is used for fulfillment of what is hoped for and confidence in the things that we do not see. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. Confession that is in accordance to the will of God in the aspect of 
present time provides God a basis to accomplish the promises confessed in the dimension of time, again, in the aspect of real time. The word give thanks, activating the word now when it's regarding God, possesses a surprising consistency, identifying the collaboration of man with the mercy of God. Accomplishing your role in giving thanks, man provides God grounds to accomplish his will, to eliminate all the enemies of man that are in that are the enemies of God and dress man into his mercy. To give thanks in Hebrew means to shoot with an arrow into the appointed by God goal, to throw a stone into the head of your Goliath with a sling, using a spear or lance, nail down the sin of adultery, to admit and confess your sin before God, to tame or manage the anger of God's wrath by condemning your sin, withhold your anger and calm yourself by meditating about God, to bring God's heart peace, to thank God for redemption from the sinful body and to praise and give thanks to God for the works he has done. In Hebrew, the phrase to praise God means to praise Yahweh or hallelujah. This practically is the formula formula of worship and thanksgiving of the Israelites that served God, that just as the word Amen has been adopted by other languages without change. Because the phrase praise Yahweh is placed first in David's psalm, we conclude that the author is specifically inviting those who fear God to share with him this extraordinary calling, aim to destroy the enemy within your body as well as out of your body, so that you can dress your body into the eternal mercy of the Lord. Therefore, those who fear God are people like the author of the psalm in that they know who God is to them and what God has done for them to clothe their body into the resurrection of Christ and doing so deliver your body from the law of sin and death by the law of the spirit of life. Not all can possess the armor of praise and get close to God, but only those people that are filled with the fear of the Lord. If a person does not have within himself the fear of the Lord and dares to praise God, then he commits a malicious act against the name of the Lord. You shall not take the name of the Lord, the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Exodus 27. In vain is unlawfully not having a legal foundation or legal grounds for. This directs us to the fact that to give thanks and praise God is something that only those who fear God can do, those that possess the ability to perform righteousness. Only the fear of the Lord in those who fear God gives them the legal right to demonstrate the redemption of Yahweh and His mercy to make Him known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. Further, to praise Yahweh, it is necessary to apprehend specific principles and specific formula included in the short phrase, let Israel now say, being the unique method by which God creates and keeps the visible and invisible world. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, for his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. Now say, <clears throat> these words are a commanding and governing phrase contained within the fear of the Lord, addressed to those who fear God, and is elevated to a rank and position of a commandment. And it is repeated three times in the command to those who fear God. Within the context of the entire psalm, this phrase is repeated four times, as the concluding words of the psalm is the phrase, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. We need to consider that the formula implies and comes from a somewhat reality already present in the heart of a man. If a person confesses with his mouth something that is not a reality of his heart, this formula will not work. 
to make your body the house of Israel and coming from her house of Aaron, we are called to proclaim the goodness of God as a result of his eternal and unchanging mercy. And such a demonstration is interconnected to the service of priesthood, where we are called to dedicate ourselves to God to kindle or ignite our lamp, to offer sweet aroma, to place the showbread and sprinkle blood upon the burnt offering. And we are called to be such priests of God, not because of our gifts or some kind of accomplishments, but because of the magnificent goodness of God, founded upon His eternal mercy. Therefore, this short phrase identifying the governing of the fear of the Lord is the principle and demonstration of the commanding formula of all godly authority. Specifically, it is the authority of all forms of life and the beginning of all creation that exists, shown by God in His artistic creation and blessing as well as His artistic work of destruction and curse. This formula of all authority in the short phrase now say implements or lays out the boundaries of everything under heaven and pushes these boundaries apart as well. In other words, it restricts and removes restrictions and brings to fulfillment the principles of blessing and curse. This godly phrase comes from and is parallel or equal to the phrase let there be or let it be that first came out of the mouth of God and bore the foundations of the visible universe. The first word let, affecting the second word be, is the definition of one of the concealed in mystery names of God, Yahweh, the essence of which means present I who is or Yahweh, eternal life, the eternal covenant, life that does not have a beginning or an end, the thought of God embodied in the word of God, a worshiper of his own word, one who bound himself by his own word, vigilant over his word, the bearer and lord of the Genesis, the lawgiver of life and death, master and commander of life and death, pursuing the good goal with his law, redeemer of his nation, and the faith of God and eternal mercy. Looking at these definitions, we can conclude that the final purpose or goal of the fear of the Lord containing the eternal redemption of God is the literal intention and goal of God to dress the body of men that fear God into His eternal mercy, identified as the energy of eternal life. And for this reason, God called men that fear His name to collaborate with Him, offering them in, in His fear the power of His name, in the form of His word, in the formula, now say which God has magnified above all his names. In a specific format, we've studied eight moments or eight aspects of our life in which we are called to activate the governing authority formula of the phrase now say, although there are many more of them, as well as the condition providing us the right to confess this formula as the faith of our heart, so that we permit judgment to occur upon the angry Gentiles who destroy our earth, this earth being our body, as well as permit blessing in our life so that our bodies be adopted by clothing them into the new person, carrying the power of the resurrection of Christ in the all armor of light. Next, the purpose of the fear of the Lord in the fruit of our spirit in the form of the house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron is called to reveal our potential as warriors in prayer by the means of the words now say, identifying the governing formula of God's authority within our body and out of our body as well. 
where we are called to collaborate with the eternal mercy of God so that we put off from ourselves the old man with his deeds and afterwards be renewed by the spirit of our mind so that we can be clothed into our new person created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth to demonstrate and magnify the great glory of God contained in his eternal redemption being the glorious fruit of his eternal mercy, leading us into the inheritance of his eternal redemption by the means of confession of the faith of our heart. The first in the purpose of the fear of the Lord and the fruits of our spirit in the form of the house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron that I would like to focus on on is the environment within the boundaries of which the eternal mercy of God reveals itself and functions. It is the environment or midst in which we find ourselves because of the law of sin and death that is present within our mortal body and that we by the words of of the faith of our heart being the armor of God's formula of authority are delivered from the law of sin and death and are led out into a broad place. Let us read this place of scripture. O oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. Psalm 118, 1 through 5. In Hebrew, the word in distress implies a tight atmosphere or environment in which our body is currently. <clears throat> our body, which is called to be the house of God in the form of the house of Israel and coming from her house of Aaron. The phrase a broad place in Hebrew means a place as the eternal house of God or a place in which God dwells and where he finds his rest. And such a place is the dead and then risen body of Jesus Christ, placed by God to be the head of those chosen by God or his remnant. Everything that will happen with us will happen in the body of Jesus Christ, in Christ, within the church. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. God has reconciled us in the body of his flesh, the flesh of, of Christ through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached every, to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Colossians 1, 21 through 23. According to the given revelation, before we are delivered from the law of sin and death present within our body and making us captives of the law of sin, delivered by the law of the spirit of life which is present in Christ Jesus, it is necessary in Christ Jesus to abide in his trials, which opens the door that leads to the tree of life. When we look at the trial, trials of Christ within the subject we've been studying, we see the distress of Christ, implying a restricted space. In Hebrew, this word means agony, disaster, an arena or location, location for sport competitions, the measure in length equal to 185 meters. These are the definitions uh, of this word. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27 Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one, and so the place where they run, the, the location, 
they would uh, run at 185, 185 meters, they would run. But one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified. One receives the reward that says Jesus. So we need to run not so that we uh, not run ahead of Christ or against Christ, but run with Christ. Those who uh, fell behind, the Amalekites would destroy. And those who went ahead also perished. You need to continually be in Christ to run so you are in Christ at all times. And so when he says that to call in this case, I called on the Lord in distress is to call for or invite, to shout, to proclaim, to read aloud or loudly, to name, be named, give a name, preach, declare, publicize, and announce. This is what we need to do, speak of who God is in Christ, who, who God is for us and what he has done for us so he can dress our body into immortality. There's a place of scripture. Second Kings 19:27 through 37 God speaks of how he will lead us out of this uh, tight space it's interesting that in scripture 185 meters we we see this number also in another place of scripture God turns to the enemies of Israel the Assyrian king. But I know your dwelling place. You're going out and you're coming in and your rage against me because you rage against me and your tumult have, become up, have come up to my ears. Therefore, I will put my hook in your nose and my brittle in your lips and I will turn you back by the way which you came. This shall be a sign to you. You shall eat this year such as grown of your, of itself, and in the second year what springs from the same. Also in the third year sow and reap, plant vineyards, and eat the fruits of them. And the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of the Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and those who escape from Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, there, nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return. He shall not come into the city, says the Lord, for I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. It's talking about our body. <clears throat> and it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of Assyrians 185,000. Here's that number again that tight space and when people arose early in the morning there were the corpses all dead so Sennacherib king of Assyria departed and went away returning home and remained in Nineveh now it came to pass as he was worshipping in the temple of Nisrach his god that his sons Admiral and Shirzer struck him down with the sword and they escaped into the land of Arat 
Then, as Haradan, his son, reigned in his place, 2 Kings 19.27-37. And so Israel did not have the ability to confront this army, and so they cried out to the Lord. We don't have the strength to often confront those corrupt emotions, destructive emotions, the things that are rising out from within us. We're afraid of this, and suddenly we begin to understand that we can't be saved having this kind of hell inside, having this kind of enemy that we see. And we begin to call out to the Lord and see what God did. He did this in one night. The angel of the Lord came down and destroyed all. In the morning they arose. <clears throat> Yesterday there was hell. There was, there were threats. Destruction. In the morning they arose. There's no threats. But there is a rich uh, wealth that take from them possessions. The second element contained in the purpose of the fear of the Lord and the fruit of our spirit in the form of the house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron that we need to focus upon is the character of confession when you trust upon the eternal mercy of God where we by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus are being delivered from the law of sin and death present in our mortal body and by the means of confessing our trust upon the Lord we are delivered from the fear of man which confronts us by the power of the law discovering sin and giving power to sin that we are already delivered from in Christ Jesus by the power of the law of the spirit of life abiding and functioning in him here's what David says the Lord is on my side I will not fear what can man do to me the Lord is for me among those who help me therefore I shall see my desire on those who hate me it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes all nations surrounded me but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them they surrounded me yet they surrounded me but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them they surrounded me like bees they were quenched like a fire of thorns for in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently, but I so I might fall, but the Lord helped me. Psalm 118, 6-13 According to the words of Apostle Paul, to destroy the na nations in the name of the Lord who surround us like bees, <clears throat> so that they be quenched like a fire of thorns, means not pay attention to their gossip and their opinion or assessment of our worship to God. Don't pay attention to their gospel, what they're saying, shouting, saying uh, what's right, what's wrong in their opinion about our worship. Here's what Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians 4, 3. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. To not pay attention to people that surround us, that criticize us, it is necessary with the cross of the Lord Jesus to die for all and everything that is out of accordance with the truth, sober doctrine and order that is supposed to be within the body of Christ. People that <clears throat> assess us and judge us are out of the body of uh, the order of the Lord. They uh, condemn their own pastors and everything in their in their path. So you don't need to listen to them, pay attention to them, or communicate with them. The Lord will never stand to protect a person that is dependent and reactive to the criticism and assessment of other men, men that do not, do not possess the lawful right to instruct and teach us the truth.
The third element contained in the purpose of the fear of the Lord, the fruit of our spirit, and the form of the house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron that we need to focus upon is the result that comes from the confession of our hope upon the eternal mercy of God, by the means of which God performed victory over the law of sin and death within our body, adopting our body. And doing so allows us to sing to the Lord who has become our salvation by clothing our body into immortality. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. And so our tents, that's our body in which we live. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Something has happened, something wondrous. Now David already knows that he will not die, that he will live forever. And he will declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. The gates of the righteous is a symbol of the narrow gate that few enter. The many that will seek to enter the gates of righteousness and will not be able to because they will be seeking them upon their own personal conditions. To enter the gates of righteousness is to put on incorruption, because on that side of the narrow gate there is an absence of corruption and death. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and so it puts on, and so it's not talking about the changing of our body before rapture, because before rapture, the body will be changed. But here, it's talking about how it will be put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the laws. 1 Corinthians 15, 53-56. Paying attention again in the given place of Scripture, it's not talking about changing our body, but about clothing our body into incorruption and immortality, in which God will be able to finally swallow death up in victory in our physical time and within our mortal bodies before rapture. The moment of clothing our body into incorruption and immortality, that is into our new person, is confirmation and testimony of the fact that we've pleased God. This testimony will be given to the chosen by God flock before he takes them to heaven. As it was given to Enoch, Hebrews 11.5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and it was not he was not found because God has taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Allow me to remind us again that in order to receive a similar testimony consisted of clothing our body into incorruption and immortality, it is necessary to walk before God. <clears throat> Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. Before he uh, bore Methuselah, Enoch did not walk before God. He did not have the opportunity. But after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. 
Genesis 5, 21 through 24. And so 65 years he needed to bear Methuselah. We know that Enoch received this ability because of Methuselah. <clears throat> he, this is a symbol of, of, of the Spirit. Children that are born from us are the fruit that we bear, symbolized. Methuselah, is, the definition of, it, of his name is driving away death or forcing death out. When he received the fruits of the tree of life in himself by the law of the Spirit of life, destroyed in his body the law of sin and death. This is the same law that functions in two ways. The law of God. There are two trees in Eden. The tree of life and the tree of death. The tree of death. The holiness of the Lord. What is forbidden. Who touches of it will die. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You will not eat from the day in which you eat it. You will surely die. This is the law of God. But it's presented in two, two trees and two purposes. <clears throat> the one it rewards and the other it punishes. The law of any country. The citizen of this country. Who is law abiding is rewarded. By this law, this law rewards those who follow it and those who break it, it punishes it. It's not two laws, it's one law, but has two purposes. As a sword, sharp from, two, from both, both sides, that comes from the mouth of Jesus and destroys the nations. Uh, when it's turned towards Jesus, it says here, Satan comes and there's nothing in me. If he comes and there's no sin, then the law works for me in, in my benefit. Then with this law, I can destroy those who resist the truth, and I am for the truth, and there's no sin in me. That is what it's talking about, this law. So that we together would understand these are not two separate laws. This is one law that functions in two ways. When sin is destroyed, then the law that gives power to sin, that needs to punish for sin, it has no effect upon you. And the law of the spirit of life, the same law that turns uh, to you, uh, this law of the spirit of life, <clears throat> I trust that you understand what the scriptures are saying. These are not two laws. God is the uh, lawgiver of life and death. He has the keys of hell and death and he gave them to Jesus. These are not two laws. This is one law that has two functions. The one, it, it, it punishes because they hurt the righteous and the other, it protects. The fourth element contained in the purpose of the fear of the Lord and the fruit of our spirit in the form of house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron that we need to focus on is our thanksgiving to God for that format of salvation where God himself has become our salvation, being the stone that the builders rejected, but who became the chief cornerstone of our salvation. The for, this format of salvation is marvelous in our eyes. Collaborating with the truth of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit makes us a marvelous day that the Lord has made upon the stone that was rejected. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This place of scripture is is repeated many times in scripture, in other books of the prophets. 
And so this is the day. This is the day is the day of the Lord, which the, which is the Sabbath of the Lord, or the day in which the Lord rests, as he has accomplished and demonstrated his eternal redemption in this day. Therefore, the phrase, this is the day the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it, means that God, by the means of his eternal redemption, which is the result of his eternal mercy, became the ruler in the bodies of the chosen by him remnant or the small flock. Here's what Paul writes about this Second Corinthians 4.10-18, through 18, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. This, this, these tri- this trials, this narrow space or tight space that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal body. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. So we look at not who we are, but who we are in Jesus Christ. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Romans 8, 18 through 23, For I consider the sufferings of this present time and are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself, the trees uh, or the angels that God created also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Romans 8, 18 through 23. <clears throat> Returning to the stud- study, uh, the main subject of our study, I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We conclude that to be marvelous is to be unusual to be wonderful, to be surprising, to be difficult or complex, to be unreachable, to be inconvenient, to be impossible, to be satisfied by the covenant. When God will do this, we will look at it as something marvelous. That this was difficult, this was impossible, we would see that's impossible as uh, for us ourselves, but it will happen because the Lord will help us. To be the chief cornerstone means to be the top of a great and high mountain in Hebrew, to be a tower on the corner of a fortress, be a prince of eternity and the king of peace, be a leader or chief master of life and death, be the army of the heavenly leader, the great virtue and greatness uh, or magnificence, be the start of the brook or flow of a living stream, separate the better portion of what is holy, the number included in the sum or result. Separate the better portion or what is holy. Builds The builders have rejected the foundation that was presented by God in the cornerstone. 
These are the trusted persons responsible for building the body of man into the house of God. And so those who have rejected uh, the teaching of Christ, these are the, those who rejected the teachings of Christ and the doctrines of Christ and instructions of Christ, to look at the history of Israel and uh, what God will do in the last times before they are taken to God. We will look at what is written in the book of Esther and the city, the, the capital city of Shushan at the time of the governing of Azazers. From beginning to end, it's talking about how to cast off the old man with his deeds, how to renew our mind with the spirit of our mind, and how to put dress our body, uh, clothe our body into the new person, how to collaborate with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit can do this great work in us, so that the redemption may occur. In Shushan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shem the son of Kish, a Benjamite, a man from the line of Benjamite, of, of the Benjamites. And the fact that he's a Jew, he's in the faith teaching and he is from the line of, ben, of the Benjamites, a person who, who believes in being born again, that everyone who believes is is Jesus, that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. These kinds of people were called Jews in Israel. He had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconia, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away, and Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and so he was much, much older than her, obviously, and he adopted her. And so she did not have a mother or a father, and she lives with her uh, relative Mordecai. The young woman was, uh, was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. When it, so it was when the king's command and decree were heard and when many young women were gathered at Shushan, the citadel under the custody of Hegai, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace into the care of Hegai, the custodian of the women. Ex Esther 2, 5 through 8. The capital city of Shushan is a symbol of the bride of the lamb in present time. The name of the city Shushan means the lily of the valley. The word Azazers is not a name, it is a title of a person possessing the status of a great king, king of kings or king of righteousness, or king of justice. He is the symbol of Christ, whether we like this or don't like this. The main cupbearer of Azazers in the time of Queen Esther was Nehemiah is a symbol of the power of the Holy Spirit. Esther, she is Hadassah. She is the symbol of the new person identified in the fruits of the tree of life presented in men that belong to the bride of the Lamb. The name Hadassah means fragrant myrtle. The name Esther means morning star or the star of the east. <clears throat> I want us to see that uh, the cupbearer and artisans and and the all of these people and this place belong are present within every person. 
Mordecai, the Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, is the son of Jer, which means, may the Lord give light, is a symbol of the word of God and the foreman of the given law. He disciplined Hadassah, she depended on him and obeyed him in all things. She was ready to pay a price of her life for this learning. Hegai, the one that Esther was obedient to, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and his name means one who leads uh, or takes care of good cows. So the story of uh, of Esther and Mordecai. Mordecai was always at the gate of the king, and he was a gatekeeper. At the time when he was guarding the gate, he he heard how two eunuchs were put, trying to kill Artaxerxes, and he passed this information out to Esther, and Esther was uh, passed this on to the king, and of course these two men were punished for their idea. They they were hung, and Mordecai didn't re- get wasn't rewarded for this work. Uh, she passed it on from Mordecai, but she did not tell uh, him who Mordecai was, and he didn't know what nation they were from or who Mordecai was. And of course there was a person, Haman, whom the king had. Uh, exalted above all of the other princes and he wanted all the people uh, to obey Haman and so when he would come to the king and there was a guard at the gate all fell before him except for Mordecai the Jew and it was told to him why asked him what they asked him why are you not bowing before him and he said he's not bowing because he is a Jew his faith forbids him from uh, bowing before other men. He can bow only before God. They passed this uh, on to Haman uh, to see if Mordecai will be faithful to the words he spoke. And Haman paid attention and saw that he truly is not bowing, and he was very angry, wanted to kill him, but then withheld himself. And so vengeance is, is a cold, uh, say, uh, is to be served cold, let's just say, and it's better to get it that way before he does anything. He wanted to destroy the whole nation of Israel. He got this idea, and so he cast a lot uh, on what day he should destroy uh, the Jews. He said, King, in your kingdom there is a nation that does not accept your laws, Uh, This nation always does things that are not they're not supposed to, and they're rebellious, and there's there's just bad from this nation. Here's a lot of here is a lot of silver that I brought to I bring I bring ten thousand talents to you in silver so uh, for the so I could destroy them. And the king said, I'll give you uh, your ten thousand talents back and do what you need to do. And so a decree was written uh, that in this day all the people of this kingdom, he was ruler of one hundred and twenty. Other kings were under his control that in this day they would come up and destroy the Jews. All of this was uh, sealed with the royal seal and and on royal horses. uh, This was uh, passed on to all 
all the nation, all the nations that were under him in all their languages. Imagine what happened with the Jews when they heard that they were condemned to death, and that in this specific day, the month of Adair, twelfth month, they will be destroyed with the wives and and children too. Of course, there was fear, the fear of death. Mordecai came out on the in the court and began to shout. A truly unique thing. Artaxerxes has never been seen by anyone, and could, they could never see him. It was a very interesting form of rule. Uh, even the satraps were not able to see him. Even when he, uh, even when there were banquets, the uh, there were banquets that he would. Uh, call the people, they wouldn't see him. Uh, there were only about seven people who would be able to see him. And uh, would ask him the questions or give him the information. And they covered his face. So they could not see. It was like forbidden to see his face. That was the rule. And so if you can imagine with the nation, they knew that it was sealed, that the royal seal, this laws not able to be changed. And so when they came to Esther, they didn't know, Esther didn't know what happened and she saw the nation was afraid. And so she sent clothing to Mordecai and refused to take the clothing that he, she sent and he wanted to meet with her. And when they met, he, she, uh, he told her what happened and told her, go to the king and beg for mercy. She said, 30 days I haven't been called to the king. You know that anyone will, who will come to the king uh, if they're not called, death to them. He said, go and ask him, and if you need to die, then die. And she said, okay. If I need to die, then I will go and die. But before that, I do this, fast for three days. And three nights. And die together with my servants we will be fasting and so they're covered by death and fear she did not eat or drink she took her royal garments off of herself she's mourning and she's pleading to God the nation is pleading to God and finally on the third day she puts her garments back on and goes goes to her death who will not be called to the king, death to them. Be, be it Haman, it's not important. You have to be in the court, and you could stand there for a month, uh, even, and if they don't call you, can't come in. You have to come and just wait. And you can come in, but if you come in, you die. That, that was where the rules. And so she came. Of course, the guard did not stop her, and she went in. The king at this time was on his throne. And when he saw her, he understood that she needs to die because he didn't call her. But he, but she found favor, he, she, he, uh, she found favor in his sight, and so he stretched out his scepter. She came, 
and bowed down and kissed the scepter. He he, uh, sat her down next to him and said, what do you want? I will give you half the kingdom. He understood that if she came to uh, risking her life, something happened in her life that she needed to do this. She said, I want to prepare a banquet for you and Haman. Come and I will tell you. Haman was very happy when he was invited to the banquet. He called his friends. Even Queen Esther has called just me to this banquet, the king and myself, and was very glad that he was invited. He was at this banquet and he asks the queen what is your will queen esther even half the kingdom i'll give to you and she said if i found favor in your sight come let the king come to a banquet tomorrow as well and tomorrow i will tell you what i have to tell you and haman also needs to uh, come he then again called his wife his his wise men he was so happy Haman and uh, he passes by again he sees Mordecai uh, every time he passes he sees Mordecai again not bowing down to him uh, plus the entire nation uh, was already condemned and he knew he was condemned to death but he stood as if nothing happened and at this time he says and prepare a tree uh, so that we can hang him upon that tree go to the king early and the king will give you permission and you hang him on the tree and in the evening you can already I will be able to go to the banquet he prepared the tree uh, so it's 50 cubits and came to the king and at the in this night God took uh, the king sleep away and the eunuchs came and were reading uh, uh, and were reading the book of memories or, or the uh, the daily things that have happened who wh- and they were reading what happened who was rewarded uh, who wasn't and they read about Mo- he, about Mordecai and the king asked what was done to this man Mordecai for what he had done for me and and they said nothing and he said who is out in the court Haman uh, is in the court he said let him come in and he came in and he says to him and the king turns to him and says tell me what do I do uh, to the person who who I want to honor in a special way uh, show respect to him and he's like who else would it be but me it was me that he wants to do this to so he needs to he tells the king uh, you need to put on a royal garment you need to give him royal garments uh, put a gold chain upon his neck put him upon the king's horse and a man should walk and uh, pr- uh, proclaim before all th- this is to be done to a person who has uh, God's uh, who has the, who has the king's respect and he uh, the king says everything you just said do to uh, Mordecai who's out there uh, the gatekeeper and of course Haman was couldn't believe obviously what had happened he uh, he couldn't tell the king that he had plans to kill hang him and so he did do everything and was the one who announced before all this is what is to be done to the person whom the king wants to uh, uh, reward
ты не смог его осилить, то, наверное, ты падешь от него. And so, uh, again, Haman comes to the banquet. Let's read it. Uh, so the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther, and on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you, and what is your request? Up to half the kingdom it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition, and my people at my request, for we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's losses. So King Artaxerxes answered and said to Queen Esther, and so, and so he, he said to Queen Esther, who is he and where is he who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. So Haman was terrified before the king and queen. Then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther pleading for his life, for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. When the king returned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he also assault the queen while I am in the house? As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Now Harbona, one of the eunuchs, said to king, look, the gallows fifty cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, hang him on it. So they hung Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, then the king's wrath subsided. And so Haman is the sinful man, the old man. The name Haman is one who is glorious, the meaning of his name, or famous. Glorious and famous, why? Because when we repent and we come to the Lord, we begin to serve and our soul is swimming. It's not crucified yet. It uses this position of redemption and it uh, rules within our body. Esther 7, 1 through 10. And so on that day, King Artaxerxes gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, the house of Haman he gives to her. Now she will be directing this house. Haman was there. Now she's going to be living in it. Haman, the old man, look what happened with this old person, the sinful man. He was hung. And so what happens next? And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. This is a symbol of the word of God that was living in Esther and that she was obedient to, that she was dependent from. So the king took off his uh, signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. You see, she places the word of God to rule and govern over 
his uh, uh, the body. Now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet, and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman, the Agagite, and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king, and if I found favor in your sight, and the thing seems right to the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people, or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? Then King Artaser said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have and have hung him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please, and then king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring no one can revoke the word of God is unchanging you can't change it Esther 8 1 through 8 and so the house of Haman is a symbol of our body that is given to the use of our new person that then gives our body to the use of the word of God. The phrase written from the name of the king and sealed with the royal signet is the unchanging symbol of the unchanging word of God that God has magnified above all his name. You cannot change it. God it will not change. From this phrase, we can see that the law that uh, reveals sin and gives power to sin is not able to change, be changed, but it can be uh, pretty much silenced or you can turn it into your friend instead by the power of another law. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. It's talking about this Haman, the soul. Uh, and so the sinful uh, nature dies and as it happens within the body of Christ, Jesus arises and the soul of man also resurrects with him in this time. And uh, once it resurrects, this Haman no longer is there or exists there anymore. And you being dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And so you can't change the handwriting. You write, he says. And he has taken it away of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Colossians 2, 11 through 15. Further, it says, the couriers who rode on royal horses went out, hastened and pressed on by the king's command, and the decree, decree was issued in Shushan, the citadel. So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white with a great crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. 
The Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. And in every province, the city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them. Esther 8.14-17 And so the greatest form of evangelism, the many people of the land became Jews. Mordecai, who came from the king in royal garments, who was with blue and white, and he had linen, and purple, this is a symbol of our body, dressed into the power of our new person that has the law of the spirit of life in it. No one ever saw the king, but they saw the garments. They don't see God, but when they see, when the bride will put on her new person, they will see that. And this will be such a mantle, this will be such power. According to scripture, the holy people, they'll be dressed into their new person, they will have great power over all of the world. This will be a very short amount of time when suddenly a small group of people all over the face of the world and sincere uh, Christians, those that were... You see how, ma how many people today are condemned to death by their sinful person, their old person. They see that they're not able to rule these emotions and feelings. They cover them up, they conceal them, but this horror is inside, and they're condemned if they see it, and in this day they will find out that now they're able to be free because the people that will be dressed into their new person, they will bring a great... Uh, evangelism, a form of evangelism sermon, and they will be delivered from their Haman. It will be such a form of evangelism where people not will not will not just come to Christ, but they will come and will receive the teaching that will free them from their sinful person and the handwriting of requirements that was against them, the law of the sin and death, and gave power to sin. Uh, it will be eliminated by the teaching of Christ, the doctrine of Christ. This is a very interesting thing. And further it says, <clears throat> Now in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day, the time came from the king's command and his decree to be executed. On the day that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, the opposite occurred, and that the Jews themselves overpowered those who had hated them. The Jews gathered together in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Azazers to lay hands on those who sought their harm. And no one could withstand them, because fear of them fell upon all people, and all the officials of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and all those doing the king's work helped the Jews, because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's palace, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces, for this man Mordecai became increasingly prominent. Thus the Jews defeated all their enemies with the stroke of the sword, with the slaughter and destruction, and did what they pleased with those who hated them. And in Shushan, the citadel, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men, Parshadetha, Dalphon, Aspatha, Paratha, Adalia, Aridatha, Parmashta, 
Arisai, Aridai, and Vahesetha, the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadetha, the enemy of the Jews, they killed, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. On that day, the number of those who were killed in Shushan, the citadel, was brought to the king, and the king said to Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men in Shushan, the citadel, and the ten sons of Haman. What have they done in the... What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now, what is your petition? It shall be granted to you. Or what is your further request? It shall be done. Then Esther said, If it please the king, let it be granted to the Jews who are in Shushan to do again tomorrow according to today's decree and let Haman's ten sons be hung on the gallows. So the king commanded this to be done, and decree was issued in Shushan, and they hung Haman's ten sons. And the Jews were who were in Shushan gathered together again on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar and killed three hundred men at Shushan, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. The remainder of the Jews in the king's provinces gathered together and protected their lives, had rest from their enemies and killed 75,000 of their enemies, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. This was on the 13th day of the month of Adar, and on the 14th day of the month they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Esther 9, 1-17, the ten sons of Haman hanging upon the tree <clears throat> is a glorious symbol of the destruction of the handwriting of requirements that was against us. That was pretty much the Ten Commandments that was against us by the command of Artaxerxes, that is Christ, that was eliminated, this handwriting was eliminated. The enemies that were in other provinces are the symbol of unclean and lawless people that are in the midst of the chosen by God flock. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Revelations 3, 9. And I will finish this thought with this place of scripture. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. Psalm 118, 10 through 13. May the Lord help every one of us as he helped and supported David who received by faith that he will not die and live eternally. This promise was the promise of the last times that today is revealed to us and you have become worthy of God that he has revealed to you. Otherwise, he would not have revealed this to you if he did not find favor. If you did not find favor before him, Haman, that is inside you, he's there, but you are faithful to the Lord and are not faithful to this Haman, and you continue to battle with him, and victory will happen. This will be a great time, a great time when our bodies will be dressed as Mordecai came out in his glorious garments, because they don't see God, but they saw the signs of a king uh, in, the, in the kingdom of which they lived. And so people will see this. And as it is written in other places of scripture, also the kings will know 
and see things they have never that have never been spoken they'll be afraid and surprised these people will have immortality and incorruption and you will not be able to kill them and so for a certain span of time before the church of Jesus Christ will be raptured many nations will be turned to Christ by the evangelism that will be from them and no one they won't listen to no one else but these people not a single uh, preacher or missionary will have any success people will listen to only that person that will be dressed into their new person the bodies who will be dressed into their new person because they will ask how did you get to this tell me they'll say every one of you can testify every one of you will become a testimony a light to the world and many it says many uh, that means a lot of people Many people will come to true salvation and will find the true Christ. Because it turns out that when we say something, people that are with us, they say, well, they worship a different Christ. Truly, we worship a different Christ that lawless people and unclean people worship that consider themselves righteous, legalizing sins, many sins. Let us worship the Lord and thank Him, Whoever, however who is comfortable, bend our knees or heads, and we will pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, again and again with your nation, I want to worship in our spirit upon the place that your hand has chosen to worship you. May you be blessed now and forever. Your great mercy may it be our garment, our mantle, and our crown. I believe that you will do your work according to your great mercy. We are your servants. We've received this seed in our heart and have grown it in to the fruits of the tree of life. May your nation be allowed to be dressed into the, fr the fruits of the tree of life according to you and your commands, your words. We believe that you are vigilant over your word and you will fulfill the desires of, of the heart of your nation to avenge their enemy, enemy and to have our bodies be delivered from destruction and sin so that immortality that is within our new person would be able to uh, clothe our body and become immortal and incorruptible where you can show your redemption your glory in our bodies we rejoice with this great information this news you've given that this is possible to happen here and that we have lived in this time and for those holy people that have received this into their heart you will give them the ability to bear this methosella this fruit and drive away this death you said if I gave you the ability to conceive I will give you the ability to bear and so you will prolong the days of those people that thought that their life has fi has finished or come to an end but actually morning has come for them your glorious morning where you will be glorified in them and through them I thank you for this revelation and I worship together with your holy people our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Аминь.